This is the Line Waits Over Coffee podcast, episode 12. For me, the concept is not the form or the floor plan or the shape that the thing takes. I think it's much better to have it as a question that you're trying to answer. And there could be multiple responses to that question. So you want to frame up the question so that it is relevant to the program that you were given, relevant to the research that you've done and that what you're interested in. And hopefully it will also be interesting to other architects too. I think that's important. That's our guest, founding principal of Studio Gang, Jeannie Gang, joining us today. Hi, I'm your host, Azhar, and on today's episode, we are talking all about the evolution of a design project, from the research phase all the way down to presenting to your final jury. Now, I really wish I had this episode available to me when I was a student, because it would have definitely made my design studio projects run a lot smoother because we are going to cover topics such as what is a concept? How do you define it? And then once you have an idea, how do you keep exploring and developing it? And finally, how do you effectively communicate your ideas through your boards, through your models to the jury in your final presentation? This is a great resource episode that I recommend listening to at the beginning of a project. And we're going to jump right into the interview with Jeannie Gang after this message. Hi, everyone. If you like what you're listening to and want more content like this coming your way, remember that the best way to support this show is by getting an Adobe CC subscription through our website at lineweights.coffee. Now, as architecture students, we rely heavily on graphic presentation tools such as Photoshop, InDesign, and Illustrator. We wanted to make it really easy for you to learn these programs and have created a set of high-quality tutorials complete with all the example files for you to learn the fundamentals to creating excellent presentations. So we cover Adobe Illustrator that teaches you how to properly import and manipulate your 2D drawings. We're talking line weights, line types, hatches, finding those vector scalies and textures and so on. Then, of course, we go into Photoshop, where you have your renderings, you're adjusting light, materials, scale figures, even how to link your 2D drawings from Illustrator right into Photoshop. And then, of course, we round that all off with Adobe InDesign, which is the best publishing software out there in order for you to actually make your posters, linking your files, setting up your paragraph styles, proper printing procedures, archiving, and so on. Now, this course is actually a $109 value that you can get for absolutely free when you purchase an Adobe CC subscription through our website because we get a commission off each purchase. So to find out more, just go to our website at lineweights.coffee and click on Adobe. Thank you. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Today, we're very excited to have a special guest today on our program, MacArthur Fellow and founding principal of Studio Gang. Jeannie Gang is with us. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Jeannie Gang was the 2013 National Design Award winner for the Cooper Hewitt Design Museum and was also named the 2016 Architect of the Year by Architectural Review. Most recently, she won the Louis Kahn Memorial Award in 2017 for individuals who have made a significant contribution to the field of architecture. Studio Gang has studios in Chicago, New York City. You've probably heard of some of their projects, the Aqua Tower in Chicago, the Arca Center at the Kalamazoo College in Michigan. Uh, Some keywords to describe their studio's design philosophy would be ecology, technology, community, density, and materiality. You want to find anything 
about them. I'll put a link in the show notes, but you can go to studiogang.com. So the reason Jeannie is here specifically is because she's always teaching. So she's, of course, a practicing architect, but she's always in touch with students. She knows what the students are going through, what they're what they're suffering through in studio. And so she's not disconnected in any way from the academic world. So today, what we are going to try to do is just talk to a design semester. It doesn't matter if you're a freshman, sophomore, grad student. We all, I think, have similar challenges along the way. You know, we have our midterms, our finals, and what we do in between, and how we actually start a project. I think that, for me, was the most difficult part, is just beginning something, uh, having an idea. And so let's just jump right into it. Jeannie, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's good to be here. So Jeannie, you mentioned you're teaching, even right now, you're teaching at Harvard. Yes, the Graduate School of Design, um, teaching at Option Studio. Okay, very cool. So it's grad students. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us a little bit more about the studio? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was really interested in how the recovery was going to happen after the hurricanes Irma and Maria that hit the Caribbean islands in Florida mm -hmm. and really kind of wreaked havoc on that area. After that hurricane, what do you do? Do you rebuild the same way you always did? Or is there something new we can bring? Can we take advantage of this moment in time where mm -hmm. there will be more hurricanes, there will be more severe storms due to climate change? So now is a very good time for rethinking how we build, how we connect architecture to the ecology, to the cycles of, of nature, for a more resilient approach to living there. So it's a very some, holistic. Kind yeah, of. it's kind of like looking at everything from the land, the terrestrial environment, to the marine environment, and sources of, of water and fuel, you know, how you can make an architecture or a, a landscape that responds much better to the storms. I think there's something like over 43 million people that live in the Caribbean islands. Wow. And so there's a lot of people at risk. Um, but what I really liked about taking this studio example is just that, you know, when you think about the planet, it's, yeah. it's kind of an island too. I mean, Bucky, yeah, we're on our own. <laughs> Bucky Fuller called it, um, <laughs> more like, you know, a spaceship earth, but spaceship. I, I think of it more like an island of earth. Mm -hmm. And, and so if we can figure out how to, respond well with environment on an island environment, you know, we can scale that up to the planet. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, if you can make it work on an island, why not use the same principles on a much larger scale? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Very interesting. And it's a mixed studio with architects and landscape yes, uh, students. And, and, and urban designers. And and then the program that we're doing is actually a real, real three real programs that um, places that were wiped out by the storm. So the students' work will, in this case, probably be used to rebuild. So their their work is very important, and it will be you know realized. It will be a more realistic studio than than most because it's so urgent. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Something that's happening right now, as yeah. opposed to saying, mm -hmm. "Oh, design a library." Or right, right, right. right. <laughs> that's really interesting. So let's let's go into that. Most. Uh, students right now who are listening are probably in the middle of their semester. Mm -hmm. It's February right now. They're probably given mm -hmm. a, a program like mm -hmm. that, like mm -hmm. they have a performance center to do yeah. or a library. And that's a program that's given early on. And I guess for me, one of the challenges I always had was how do I begin a project? Mm -hmm. You know, like how do I start? Yeah. My first thought was, okay, go to the library and just grab, mm -hmm. grab mm -hmm. books. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good start because you know, a lot of times people's first reaction is go to the internet, which is great too. But, but, you know, many times there's, there's incredible information in, 
in books, but oftentimes we'll start with uh, research, and I'm sure that's common to a lot of studios, but I think what's really important in that phase is to be very open to, like if you have a library program, don't just look at libraries, you know, understand many more things that come to mind, like, you know, when did books begin being printed, or, you know, looking backwards, looking looking forwards, what, what's happening to the book today, what, what's information about the site and the location and the climate and the the people that will be using the library. Like, those are just, I think architecture is about creating an environment, designing an environment that will house a function, but it will also have to respond to criteria, many different criteria. So, I mean, I like having this kind of scattershot approach. Just give yourself time to dive into anything that, and, and oftentimes what happens I see is, it happens for me too, is I find something that's tangential to the, the main subject, you know, um, mm-hmm. not just looking at specifically libraries, but like something else that catches my attention. It might be, you know, very weak link between that subject and the library. But then, you know, if you're interested in it, you should allow yourself, especially in school, to dig into the thing that's making you really interested and curious. And then there's always something in that that can come back and inform the design yeah. project. So don't be safe. Yeah, no, don't, don't just be, I mean, enjoy the, the exploration period and mm-hmm. um, what you find. And, you know, of course, it's somehow it's connected to back to this, this program or this site, but it doesn't have to be an obvious connection at for, you know, it just has to be something that you are passionate about, interested in. So to try yeah. to dig and find yeah. just things that are interesting, it, not necessarily, they don't even have to have anything to do with a library per se, but eventually. They yeah. Eventually we'll come back. Some waiting. I think that that's what I like about um, design because it's very wide reaching. Like, you know, you might end up discovering something very, pivotal about the, the site itself or the city that the site is in that inspires your research. Of course, you know, there is the ultimately drawing the library plan and the sections and all those things. But I think in the research period, it's really good to be broad and open and like a sponge, you know, right. and not only a sponge, it's a little bit like a journalist, maybe a good journalist, let's say, <laughs> where you would a research, uh, the, the topic, but you're gonna not, you're gonna follow all the leads. Oh, um, like an investigative detective. Kind of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Detective, yeah. Detective. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So say, okay, so I love this library project. I'm looking at uh, the history of books. I'm thinking uh-huh. stone. I'm thinking stone tablets. I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. Uh, open air, you know, mm-hmm. primitive tools, something. I don't know how to connect it. So I start sketching these things down and I think the key is like, how do you, when mm. do you reach a point mm. where you feel like this is an idea? Mm. This is, mm-hmm. this is something good. This, this, what I'm drawing inspiration is strong enough uh-huh. to guide me uh-huh. on this project. Yeah. Well, you probably, you know, in the next step, you will be presenting some of this research, you know, in a pinup or a desk crit or something like that. And your critic can help connect you to like, oh, you're interested in these stone tablets. Well, here's a building that, you know, you can look at that was done with stone or, you know, some, the critic will help you kind of get it more back to an architecture, not necessarily a library. 
And so that you will continue, I, I see the research as just as a continuation all the way through the semester. You know, you start with it, it gives you some inspiration and then you continue it, you continue to dig deeper and deeper. But then you'll have a prompt probably from your critic to, you know, make a plan or a site plan or a model or a concept model, um, some kind of prompt like that. And if you don't get that, you can give it to yourself. And that's when, you know, after the research, you really need to make something. And I, I, like, this happens all the time in, in studio and at work too. You, you, you gotta, you know, go into either the shop or at your drawing on your computer or by hand and physically make a representation of some sort that reflects on what you've been doing. But, but you don't, you want to turn off the research at some point, I, I find, mm-hmm. b- because you turn it off while you're making and make something. Let's say it's a concept model, okay? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of experimentation, but you, you make this concept model, and I think it's important to use different kinds of materials in making models, not just have it laser-cut, because if, if it's just a laser-cut model, it means you had to draw it all out and right. know exactly like what it is. It's designed in a yes. way. Yes. Yeah. So making is really one of the more, most enjoyable parts of architecture. Yeah. It is fun to make a drawing on the computer too, but I think it's the physical model is a key element for design education because it's, it's something that you can look at with others, you know, at the same time. True. Yeah. You can let it speak back to you. Like, so maybe you intended to make this library very solid and like stone tablets or something. And, and then you ended up using paper and suddenly you had something very light and you didn't intend it to be, but, mm-hmm. but there's something amazing about that that you realize when you look at it. So I, I think it's very important to take the things that you make and let them, you reread them, you look at them and, and let them speak back to you for what they are. So it's a little bit about this iterative process of, of making things, letting it speak back to you and then and acknowledging what's good about it and then going back in again. Does that make sense? <laughs> so I, from what I'm getting from this is that you're researching, you're casting a wide net, mm-hmm. you're getting inspiration. That gets you to a certain point, which mm-hmm. is you're starting to build a model that uses these drivers that you, yeah. you found. It's a, it's a, let's say you have to pick a material to make your concept model out of and and so that's a conscious choice and then you you might not have worked with that material before and then you discover things about that material and how it can be manipulated and used and i always uh, hope that people make more than one iteration of a, of a model or let's say it's a drawing or a model um different approaches so that you don't get stuck on one thing at first at least two i mean at the minimum I mean, there's an infinite number of solutions, yeah, but right. you should be confident on at least two of them. Okay. Yeah, you should t- take <laughs> take take two different approaches that you know to to get at the same idea. Mm-hmm. And then I think we didn't we kind of skipped over like what is a concept. I mean, that, that's, okay, let's talk about uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the concept? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For me, the concept is not the form or the floor plan or the shape that the thing takes. The concept has to be, for me, I think it's much better to have it as a question that you're trying to answer. And there could be multiple responses to that question. So 
you want to frame up the question so that it is relevant to the program that, that you were given, relevant to the research that you've done and that what you're interested in. And hopefully it will also be interesting to other architects too. I think that's important. So this not, I really don't encourage people to just be, try to be so individual and idiosyncratic. Yes, you are going to be, you have your own interests, but we work in a collective society where in, with, with architects dialogues that go on, you know, in the built environment. And so, the question that you frame up should be a good question that other people would also be interested in. You know, like something, since we're talking about a library, um, Mm -hmm. not so general, like what is the library of the future, but something more relevant, like, you know, given the fact that books are disappearing, what role can the library play in bringing people together for social interaction or something like that? You know, if, if you're interested in social interaction or if, so those would be your questions. You could have something that's more material driven question, but those will help you to set up your response. And then the, the concept can be an answer to that response. I see. Yeah. Cause I always tell people that architecture is problem solving. Mm-hmm. And so what you're saying is, well, if you can't define the problem, it's yeah. kind of hard to come up with yeah. Yeah. a solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're saying ask the right yeah. questions. Right. It's, it's, it's in fact, it is like problematizing the brief, you know, like for yourself. So what is the, you know, how can you make this into something that is, gives you this tension that you need to, resolve you know it's a question where it necessitates like i need an architect to solve this <laughs> <laughs> right well you know it's also something that makes architecture interesting to do because if it's just resolving somebody else's brief what's in it for you mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. so you know you need to think what is interesting about this program that i'm being given and maybe your brief includes some of that content and you can you know riff off that but yeah in in general in our in the world, you want to make the work. It's, it's a practice. Architecture is a practice. And, you know, you, you have a medium architecture to work with. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like to use that medium to answer questions that yeah. are. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. Also questions. I think, uh, if near the beginning of the semester, if you identify two or three questions mm-hmm. and you write them down and you put them on your desk, those kind of, you know, keep you focused. On yes. what is the goal, mm-hmm. and you know helps you drive forward throughout the semester without losing, yeah, without you know, losing losing your way, or you know, or maybe you will end up like refining the question as you get you know through the semester, like oh, this is really about this. So that's concept for me is like this global picture, and you know, and then a concept model is kind of a response to that question, and it would include the you know the formal response. I mean, some of the things that are good tips to do as you work through the semester is just to make sure to like make something every day, you know, like a drawing or, or more than one thing. But, but I just think that I see students a lot of times like struggling with, you know, just thinking things through over and over and over without making a drawing and make, or making a model or making a detail or thinking gets you only so far. Mm, Yes. You have to like use your hands and. Yeah, you have to like <laughs> make a mark, you know, get it. Yeah. And so the more you can get into that habit, um, 
that's very helpful to, to produce, you know, just producing things. Now, one of the things about models is I always wonder about scale, you know, because I think instinctively when we start models, we start at a large scale. Yeah. And I think sometimes we're trying to solve so much at that scale yeah. mm-hmm. that near the end, as the semester is going, then you're kind of rushing to mm-hmm. fill in the rest, so to speak. Any advice on mm. how to go between? Is it yeah. sequential? Is it... It's always better to start with something smaller, like the essential qualities of what you're trying to do come through. If you can draw something on the computer or by hand in black and white, a diagram, it's oftentimes much more clear than, than if you get into Illustrator and start putting all this color and all this like pattern and like, you know, making yeah. it so you saturated. Can get lost in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's another way of limiting, you know, it's scale is like, you know, can you diagram your idea on an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper or a four piece of paper? You know, so you can change the scale, but the limit is the size of the paper. So, so you can draw your library. It's urban relationships and connections on a piece of paper or on, you know, something that reads on an A4 piece of paper. Right. You can, you can draw a, a diagram of a floor plan. You can draw a, a perspective sketch. You can make a detail. Everything can go on that scale. And it w- in fact, it's a really good way to cartoon out what you want to ultimately produce on a bigger scale. A lot of times we want to use the tools available to us, powerful tools like GIS or things like that to, to do site studies. Right. Okay, do it, but then, you know, it cannot just live in the same format that the GIS p- program gives you. Right. Because it's illegible to others. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so you have to redo it, redo it so that it's clarified and clear and precise and beautiful as a drawing, you know. Well, you need to demonstrate your interpretation of, yes. of yeah. what you're seeing rather yeah. than taking it as a given, I guess. Yeah, I think it's... A lot of our work in our field is there's a lot of searching, I guess, searching and trying things, whatever, but it's really important to redo it in your own way, your own hand, your own style or clear style to make it legible and clear ideas. And one, yeah, like I was saying, I think getting rid of color is one really good way, making it on a smaller page, just as a great way to, to get yourself unstuck. Just go to the copy machine and take a bunch of yeah. paper out of it. And, and start then sketch over that. It. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you yeah. Sketch it, do it more than one time. So, yeah, and if it's something that's more information heavy, you can still take that and reiterate it and redo it in, a, in another drawing. So communication is a lot more than just, you know, your final presentation boards, I guess. Oh, also yes. communicating to yourself what is your own idea or how you're tackling the problem. Absolutely. And it's, and there are other people around too. So you can utilize your colleagues that are sitting right next to you to show them something and, you know, to, to really use the rigor of, of showing something that's drawn versus just talking about it. And whatever you draw, you can use in your final. It's not. Oh yeah. Nothing is ever like thrown away. Oh, yeah. You can be. use, uh, yeah, process so stuff. You're all like the time. working towards your final. Yeah. Words in a way. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. 
And I think um, maybe another good habit to be in is um, to, to actually pin up as opposed to keeping it in the computer or on your desk. Oh, because, actually print it out. Yeah. Physically mm-hmm. have it up there. Mm-hmm. Because, and you probably, you probably do that with, with some of your crits, but, you know, off the, one of the biggest mistakes I see is like students work almost the whole semester in the computer and then when it's time for the final review and they pin up, it looks really bad because they never tested the line weights right. <laughs> and or the text size is yeah. illegible because exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it takes a while to get the hang of that, you know, getting the drawing to be legible to a group of people sitting there giving you your final review. Right. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it's too saturated. Yeah. A lot of times oh, it's, yeah. it's just a bunch of technical things that can be fixed if yeah. you just did a test print. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that I also like keeping those pivotal drawings or evidence of the, the process that, that you also pin up. Yeah. Archive, archive, archive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Save everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So at some point during your explorations, during the drawings, the printing out, and of course, when you're printing out, of course, we're not just printing it out and looking at it. We're using mm. the printout as a tool mm-hmm. as well. Like you can put some trace paper over it. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. sketch over that again. And so it's not just an output of the printer that sits somewhere for right. a while. Yeah. yeah. I mean, some people now, I mean, some people use multi, multiple kinds of media to present. You have some on a screen that you want to show your research or show uh, images of the site or interviews with people and then you have boards that that remain up so that the conversation can continue so i think there's a lot of i mean there's a lot of more pressure on students right now to to know so many different kinds of ways of presenting and use them all it's very effective to show a lot of information if you have a screen and then you can refer to the models and drawings on the wall. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So each element is not disconnected in your mm-hmm. when you're presenting to your jury, but you can mm-hmm. communicate amongst them in a way. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. one nice you way to do it. You have video on a laptop playing that uh-huh. relates to something else. Or At some point, I think students do this all the time. I did it all the time. We took designing too far too long, and mm-hmm. then production time was always squeezed. Ah, and mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. one question is always, how do you know when you're at a good spot mm. to say, okay, this is my design. Mm. I'm confident with mm-hmm. this. This My concept has been expressed. I'm going to just start mm. production. Okay. Yeah. So I would be against that idea because I think when you're in school, you have the luxury of being able to, you know, continue to think about your project while you're producing it, while you're producing your final things. You can change it. At that time, and you should, because you're going to discover things while you're in the final production mode that, that, you know, it's, it's really one, one, I think, here's another like tip is, um, like everything at the end of the studio doesn't have to be completely coordinated. Okay. So it's not like, right. It's not like (laughs) a real building where you, have to be coordinated. Yeah, like, when it hey, goes this out. section doesn't match right. what you have in so it, right. Yeah, right. right. So if you're drawing your section that is, you know, if you're taking a section and you don't like the way that it is looking or you see an opportunity, 
change the section. And then, yeah, okay, if you have ch- time to go back to the plan, okay, fine. Yeah. And put it back. And if not, it's fine. Yeah. I think let it, once you let go of this, everything has to be completely coordinated. It, it gives you more freedom to continue to improve things. That's really, that's really important. Yeah. I think, <laughs> especially for me mentally, I always thought, okay, I need to stop messing uh-huh. around, so to speak. Yeah. And just get to the drawings and <laughs> work on my posters or something. Yeah. But you're saying is really interesting. Like, hey, who cares if it's mismatched? If you found something new in your section and you wanted to change it, go ahead and change it. No one's, yeah, you know, no one's like gonna... holding you to, oh, it has to match the plan or the site or whatever the condition right. may be. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, we're not talking two totally different projects, but. It's, it's a continuous dev- evolution of an idea that, that should, you know, you make a discovery, let it come mm-hmm. and let it, let it play out in the project. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> now, when it comes to presenting, I think sometimes I've, I've seen this happen a few times is that the ideas are great. The concept is great. The questions are right. But at the last minute during the jury, the jury just can't see that because it's it's communicate because you know it because uh-huh. you've been working on right. it for months so uh-huh. it's all in your head you know exactly yeah. what you're doing but to communicate that to someone who's never seen it before not even your crits like someone in the jury yeah are are you talking about the situation where you your the jury just doesn't understand your concept or there's a lot going on in the jury type of critique that we use as you know architects Sometimes your project might be used just to start a conversation about something kind of else. And, and that's unfortunate if it sometimes goes away from your project into some other discussion <laughs> that mm-hmm. doesn't really have to do with your project because the purpose is to, to help you learn and help you be better. But even if it does that, if it does go off topic from your project, I think, you, you know, you should think about like, what the jury members say like later on and maybe you can somehow bring it back and link it to what you did. So how to prevent that though, um, I think a practical thing to do is to write down your thoughts and how you're going to present, not to read it in the final review, but to realize that the order that you present things in matters and the content that you're going to give, the level of detail that you're going to talk about matters. And it's your responsibility, you know, like to make sure that the things you want to talk about are the things that you present, you know. So, so right. you, you can guide the jury to talk about the things you want to hear about. Like if you want feedback on your, how your building relates to the city because you think you have, you know, very, innovative urban plan or something like that, you know, then you need to make sure that you present that as, as a key piece of your project and give it the hierarchy that, that it deserves, the importance that it deserves. So yeah. yeah, writing things down, writing it down in an order and, um, you know, practicing a little bit. It's, it's hard. I know because yeah. it, time like <laughs> runs out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but just to take time to, to make sure you organize your thoughts before you go forward. That's really that's yeah. really interesting. So write down some key points of what you want to talk about. And what you mentioned just now is that a lot of times we think that we're presenting our project to the jury rather than kind of thinking about it another way, 
is that we are asking the jury their opinions and comments on what we've done so we can be better. You yeah. Know? It's like you're asking them rather than you're just showing them something. It's really, uh, yeah. Is you're it, trying to get something yeah, from like them. If, yeah. If you are truly interested in your question that you developed and the response, you know, it's about getting engaging a jury that, that your project can spark that kind of conversation you want to hear. That's another way to judge success as, as opposed to just, you know, if you are expecting people to just fawn all over your project, right. <laughs> it yes. might not happen and you might be disappointed. But if you can spark this conversation that you want to hear these people that have a lot of experience that are, you know, sitting there, you want to engage that conversation. And yeah, it's, I think that's another key successful jury to have. It might not be, your project might not satisfy everyone, but if it can provoke that kind of conversation, Mm-hmm. That's how we learn. That's how we all learn. True. Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to critiques, I think we are our own biggest critics because uh-huh. we we have this wish list in our mind uh-huh. of everything we want for the jury, mm-hmm. but only about fifty percent of that may actually materialize. <laughs> yeah. And so you mean like, of the things that you want to? Yeah, put I want so many models, and I want a detailed model, and I want this many <laughs> posters, and I wanted to do a video and an animation, and this, and yeah, it's not all going to be done. Yeah, yeah. So no. what is like? I guess you have to think, what is what, the most important? Mm-hmm. What are the things that will help um, express your project the best? So editing that. And then I always think that whatever you make, you have to put some love into it. You know, like if you're drawing an elevation of an existing street and uh, your building is being, your your project is inserting into the existing street, draw all the buildings on the street like with some care and some you know like you mean it and every drawing should be like that you know like not just an obligatory cut through something through the model or you know there's a section i cut my model there you design in those drawings the techniques that you are using to display them are all part of this the pleasure of architecture but also you know shows the commitment yeah, also shows how much you understand your own concept, I mm-hmm. guess, because for some students, it may be a really long section that they need to mm-hmm. do because their building is expressed best in that way. Yeah. Well, for mm-hmm. some students, if no matter how many sections you take, you can't understand it, you would mm. need a model. Mm-hmm. Or it's all, so it's, I guess, what, what best represents your idea, mm-hmm. your concept mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. focus on, on those. Yeah. And then it shows the jury too that you're able to, Communicate in the mm-hmm. correct form, mm-hmm, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've talked about uh, throwing it, casting out a wide net, getting inspiration from a lot of places, talking, coming up with a concept which involves asking the right questions and then start working with your hands. You know, the computer is great, but work with your hands, make models, make sketches, make drawings. And if you can diagram in black and white your concept in a very effective way that you can communicate and show someone who's never seen it and they they get it, then, yeah, you may just have a good idea on your hands. And once you have that, you're just working forward, you're printing often, you're looking at your printouts, and you're working towards a final product, which is not really final, which can still evolve. And, you know, always keep your key concepts in mind. Mm -hmm. So that when you are talking to the jury, you have that story and you have that way of being able to introduce your project to those who haven't seen it. And so that you can get valuable feedback 
back from them. Yeah. yeah, and I think because right now we're just heading into like what will be mid-reviews very soon, um, the more you push on the mid-review, the better you, chances are you have to you know, develop for the final because you need the feedback on mid-review. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not at a certain point by mid-review, right. it's not going to uh, yeah. Yeah, help you going yeah. forward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very nice. <laughs> well, Jeannie, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. And we really Good. appreciate it. All right. Thank sure. you. Thanks. All right, guys, that's the end of our episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that. There's two main takeaways that I have from this conversation with Jeannie Gang. One, the concept for your project is really a question. And I had never really thought about it that way. I'd always thought about it in terms of form or in terms of light or in an architectural concept. But really, the way Jeannie's saying it is that try to frame it as a question. And then it becomes like a question that you're trying to answer through architecture, which is so much more effective to see it that way. The second thing that I really learned today was production is not like the end of a project, but rather it's just another step in the evolution. So I always thought that there was like the design phase and then I would really just stop designing and start making plans and sections and drawings and models of where I had stopped at that point. And I think that's probably the engineering side of me that wanted everything to be perfect. But it's so refreshing to hear that, hey, while you're doing these final models and final drawings, if you see something that can be improved, just go ahead and start changing it. You know, the design is still malleable. This is not really the final. It's just a stage in the evolution of your project. Don't treat it as like the end all be all of your project that is frozen in stone. So I really hope these tips help you guys out. And if you have any more, make sure you go to our show notes at lineweights.coffee and tell us about your experiences in the comments. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter on our website and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Remember that the best way to support this show is through our Adobe CC affiliate program that funds us and keeps us going to get you guys more great content. And we'll be back with another episode next week. See you then.